past week, did you find someone in your life to reach down and to pull out? From our message last week, we talked about how the angels grabbed a hold of Lot and his family and physically moved them out of Sodom. And I, I challenged you to find someone in your life this week that needed to be moved. I hope you did that. Today we're going to go in a little bit of, of a different direction. Today's couple that we're going to talk about is Isaac and Rebecca. What a cool, cool story. Two fine, upstanding people fall in love. It's actually love at first sight. Has anybody ever experienced love at first sight? Yeah? It happens to me when I wake up in the morning and then I put my glasses on. <laughs> I guess that's second sight. You see, Isaac and Rebecca is a true love story. They have good character, but then we find out they make some mistakes. I'm so glad that people in the Bible, these, these historical figures that we put up on pedestals, have flaws and faults. They're really just humans, like you and I. They make mistakes, we make mistakes. We're going to find out they're going to make some mistakes, and they're going to become actually pretty bad parents. So a little background as to where we are. Here at this point, Sarah, Abraham's wife, has died. And Isaac is at home. He's mourning. Uh, that happened in chapter 23. In chapter 24, Abraham charges his servant to go out and find a wife for Isaac. And this servant, although not specifically named in the text, most scholars believe it was Eleazar. Because in, I think, chapter 25, uh, Eleazar is named as the servant that uh, Abraham was worried that he was going to give everything to. And so this servant went out to find a wife for Isaac. And he did just that. So if you take your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 24. We're going to start in verse 10. And right before we, uh, we read, I'll pray. And then we can jump into it. I'll give you a second to get there. Genesis chapter 24, verse 10. All right, let's pray. Lord, we are going to walk a line this morning. We are going to learn what it is to have good character to have great faith, and to still make mistakes. And God, we're also going to learn what not to do in our marriage and in our family life. So God, there might be people that are at a different station in life. There may be people here who are, are not married, those that are married that, that no longer have kids at home. God, make this message very personal to each person. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Genesis 24, verse 10, goes like this. And the servant took, what's your Bible say? Ten camels. Keep that number. 
ten camels of the camels of his master, and he departed. For all the goods of his master were in his hand, and he arose, and he went to Mesopotamia, to the city of Nahor, and he made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of the watering at the time of the evening, even the time the women go out to draw water. Basically, uh, he needed so many camels because he's taking a lot of gifts to go find this wife. And he goes up to this city, and he gets just outside the city where the well is, because this is about a 21-day journey that they're on. So you can imagine everybody's tired of driving. If you've ever went on a family trip in a car, you're ready to stop, just to get out of the car, stretch your legs, get something to drink. It's no different. They got these camels close to the water. The camels knelt down. They're resting. And that's where we pick it up. Verse 12. And he said, this is Eliezer saying, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. He's, he is going to see all the ladies, the eligible ladies, come out to grab water for the evening meals and things. So he's in a perfect spot to see all these ladies come out. And uh, he continues his prayer, verse 14, And let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I say, let, that, let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, Drink, and I will give thy camels a drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac, and thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. A time out there. He's praying something very specific to God. You ever done that? God, make this absolutely clear to me. Help me to choose what I need to do. And then we lay out, oh, no, it's you if, and you, you start filling. This is exactly what Eliezer is doing. And it was kind of a strange uh, request. You see, um, they didn't just walk up to people and say, you want a drink? If the person would ask them, it was a great honor to be asked to meet someone's need. Nowadays, uh, it, it's, it's an inconvenience, isn't it? Someone comes and asks you for something. Oh, no, this culture is a great honor. So not only is... is uh, him asking her for a drink is a great honor. She's then going to offer to feed the camels, to drink, you know, give water to the camels, which is not typically done. Okay? Um, he just finished this prayer. You know? He throws out the amen. And verse 15 happens. And it came to pass, and if you have your, your, your highlighter or your pencil... In, in your Bible, I want you to underline that next part. What's it say? And when it came to pass, what's it say in your Bible? Before he had done speaking, even before he said amen, she was on her way. God provided what he asked for before he finished asking for it. That's your God. This is what he does. He knows your needs. He knows what you what you need in your life to do the things that you have to do. Go to him. Pray. Ask for those things. Before he had done speaking, behold, that Rebekah came out, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor. 
that's Abraham's brother, uh, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. And the damsel was very fair to look upon. A virgin, neither had any man known her, and went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. Exactly the way he told God, this is the way I want it to go down. And verse 18 says, And she said, Drink, my Lord. And she hasted and let down her pitcher upon her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had done giving him a drink, She said, I will draw water for thy camels also. Now this is another important piece. What does it say in your Bible for verse 19? And when she had uh, done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until what? They had done finished drinking. Until they finished drinking. And she hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water, and drew for all his camels. You want to underline that, all. So all the camels until they finished drinking. That doesn't sound like a big deal, right? I mean, she's being nice. Do you understand the enormity of what's going on here? You see, a camel can drink 30 gallons of water in 15 minutes. There were how many camels? Ten camels, 30 gallons each is, okay, so here's what we're going to do. Nancy, can you fill this jug up 300 times for me? Just go back to the room back here, take it, and then I want you to dump it in the baptismal for me. That's a big commitment, isn't it? That is a ton of work. That's what she did. She offered this. Look, I'm not opposed to, if I've, look. If I got the jug out and Christy says, can you get me a drink? I get her a drink. Not before I'm like. <laughs> 300 gallons. I would give you 300 gallons. I would do that. I don't know quite how to describe that look. I don't think it's unbelief. So much work she did. This chick was a worker. She was a really, she was a worker. I mean, look at her. She's pouring it into the trough for the camels, 300 gallons. And you know this is accurate because if you were to take and zoom in on her, she looks dead tired. Look at her. She's half asleep. Poor girl. She was a worker, and she was a godly woman. Next we see, as these two people, Isaac and Rebecca, become parents. Good people can change during a marriage. Amen? The person that you married is not the person that they are today. I remember one of my first sermons I did here. It, was, oh, it still makes me chuckle. I stood at the pulpit. Not a lot of people knew me. I mean, some did, but, but not a lot understood my humor. I stood there and I said, <clears throat> I have a confession before I get started. I have been married to six different women. 
and you could hear the, <gasps> and people looking at each other. And I said, well, wait a minute. They were all Christy, but they were different. The woman I fell in love with at McDonald's flipping burgers is not the one sitting there. The woman that I married is not the one who was the mother of my children because she changed. These, these things that come into your life, you change with, change for the good, Boots. For the good. She, she's over there, she's, she's going, boy, you're right, she changed. She didn't know what she was getting into. A good husband and wife, when you have a good marriage, that can change when a baby comes. It does. It changed. I remember getting up early, early in the morning at 3 a.m. Uh, Emily would be crying, want fed, and I'd have to wake Christy up to, to do it. Um, it is tough. When these changes come, we need to be intentional about them. Uh, there is a mix of people sitting here, right? We have some people that have babies. We have some people that have toddlers. We have some that have preteens. We have some that have teenagers. Bless you. Some that have uh, kids in college. And then we have some that are empty nesters. There is a wide range of people here. But at each stage, we need to recommit to each other and to God. We need to reground ourselves. I remember when I was working in a factory, um, I worked with electronic equipment, and we had these ground straps. They're basically wrist straps with a little cord on it that you connected to the ground, to the metal frame when you were working on something. And if you went from this one to this one, you had to disconnect and reground yourself before starting that work. Because if you didn't reground yourself, I know Mike knows this answer. Mike, what would happen if you didn't reground yourself till you went in? Your hair would lift up. Whatever you were working on would get fried. Yeah, everything would be destroyed. Not only the thing that you're trying to do would be destroyed, but you yourself could be destroyed. So important to ground yourself before starting the new thing. When you get to these different stages in your life, you have to reground yourself to each other, and to God. Amen? Okay. Isaac was a godly man. He was a godly man. You know this story. Uh, Abraham took Isaac up on the mountain and was going to sacrifice him, remember? And remember, he wasn't no little kid. He was probably like 16 years old, 20 years old when that happened. Now, I don't know if anybody here is 20, but if I would grab you and drag you up on top of this mountain to kill you, do you think you would let me? I'm willing to bet people would say, if you have a knife in your hand, I'm not getting anywhere close to you, Pastor Rodney. You're just too much of a loose cannon. I get that. <laughs> but nevertheless, Isaac did. He said, you know what? I trust God and I trust my dad. And so he was faithful. He had that trust. He was he trusted that God was a man of his word, and that takes faith. But now he's married. This man of faith and this hard-working woman of faith get married. You want to talk power couple? Huh, this is amazing. Let's look at what happened. Genesis chapter 26. And we're going to look at verse 1 here. 
just a little bit to your right. And there was a famine in the land. Besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham, and Isaac went unto Abimelech, the king of the Philistines in Gerar. So there's a famine where he's living. And he goes to the Philistines in Gerar. And uh, verse 2, look at what it says. And the who? The Lord appeared unto him and said, Look, Christian, if the Lord appears to you and says something... I'm just going to go off on a limb here and say, probably good advice. Let's take it. The Lord himself appeared to him and said, Do not go down into Egypt. Dwell on the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee and bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries. And I will perform the oath which I swore unto Abraham thy father. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven. And I will give thy seed all these countries. And in thy seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. And Isaac dwelt in Gerar. So here he is. He's here. God spoke to him. Did he heed God's word? Let's find out. Verse 7. And the men of the place asked him of his wife. And he said, what did he say? She's my sister. Hey, it worked for dad. I'm sure dad told that story. I had, to, I had to say that your, your mother was my sister so that they wouldn't kill me. Which, technically, she was my half-sister, so it was kind of okay. Here's the problem. Rebecca, not his half-sister, right? We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. The, even though Abraham and Sarah was his half-sister, it was his full wife. And it wasn't a half-lie. Anybody ever seen a half-lie before? No. It's a light switch. How do light switches work in your house? On, off. Lie not, right? This is a lie. He said, she's my sister. For he feared to say that she's my wife, lest, said he, the men of the place should kill me for Rebecca because she was fair to look upon. I'm, I think if these guys would have just married ugly women, their lives would have been easier. I mean, come on, they're so scared. God will intervene no matter what. He will be there for us. They're worried about their own lives instead of worrying what God wants for their life. We do that in our own lives. We worry about what the impact is going to be to us instead about what the impact is for the kingdom of God. God told him to stay. The man of faith didn't, and he even lied. And it worked great for his dad. Sins tend to repeat themselves in our kids. This is what the Bible says when it says, visiting the iniquity, the sin, upon the third, fourth, fifth generation. It doesn't mean that it's just that uh, 
you know, the penalty for sin gets passed on, which it can. You can make some really bad mistakes, and your kids suffer from it. We see that all the time. But also, the kids pick up the things that you do and the things that you say. So, this is a great marriage, isn't it? I mean, this is a fantastic marriage. What did he do? He went there, he said that she was uh, his sister, and then they gave him great possessions. Would you trade your spouse for great possessions? Don't look at them. I told someone that I got a new lawnmower for my wife, and they told me that was a good trade. Next, we find this couple as parents. They're transitioning through their life. After all of this, God still talks to them. God is so forgiving and so loving. I, I wish I could be more like that because, look, if you burn me, I'm not going to want to talk to you. I'm not going to want to be friendly, right? That's the human nature. But they do this to God over and over and over, and he still wants to talk to them. And uh, if we take and just skip down to Genesis 25, verse 21, we'll pick up where God is now talking to them again. <clears throat> verse 21 says, And Isaac entreated for the Lord, or he pleaded for the Lord for his wife, because she was barren. And the Lord entreated of him. The Lord answered his prayer. And Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And the children struggled together within her. And she said, if it be so, why am I thus? Why do I feel this way with my stomach going all crazy? And she went to inquire of the Lord. She took her concern to God. Isaac went to God for his wife. She went to God. Both are going to God. But what they need to be doing is going together. Don't ever make the mistake of not having a combined prayer life for your husband and wife or your couple. Maybe you're dating. Uh, yes, prayer together is so important. It draws you closer to God and closer to each other. Um, in, my, in my wedding sermons, I talk about the eternal triangle. I make a triangle like this with God at the top and husband and wife at the bottom. And as they draw closer to God, they automatically get closer to each other. Do you see that? That is how a marriage is supposed to be. That's how couples are supposed to be. Seek first God. Verse 23, And the Lord said unto her, He is now talking to her, Two nations are in thy womb, and the manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. So God responds. He always responds. It's a yes, a no, or a wait. He is faithful. And when her days were to be delivered were fulfilled, uh, behold, there were twins in her womb, and the first came out red and all over hairy like a garment, and they called his name Esau. 
And afterwards, his brother came out with his hand. He took a hold of Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old, that's 60 years old, when she bore them. And as the boys grew, Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field. And Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. So far, not too terrible, right? They've got a couple of kids, nice little family going. What a difference one verse makes. Look at verse 28. Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. They had favorites, and that is a bad idea. It's natural to be closer to one or the other because of personalities, but a husband and wife must be unified, or it's a discipline disaster. You know the story. Isaac uh, wants to bless Esau, but Rebekah wants Jacob to have the blessing. Now, maybe she wanted it because that's what God said was going to happen, and she's going to help him out. God doesn't need your help. This didn't go so great for uh, Sarah either. Maybe she was selfish because she knew that if she can get little Jakey in here, he would take care of her, right? Because they're so close. It created a situation of pain and heartache for many years, and it damaged all of the relationships. Raising kids is hard, so be unified, be genuine, and be disciplined. I want to show you a quick video on parenting, on some things around parenting, and it even talks about homeschooling. This is, uh, the gentleman's name is Michael Jr. He is a Christian comedian, very funny guy, good guy, amazing messages uh, intertwined within his uh, comedy. Me and my wife decided to try to homeschool, yeah. Yeah, homeschool, yeah, that's... But we found out that when you homeschool, they don't leave. <laughs> Did you know that? Like, they were still there. <laughs> so then we found out the family down the street, they actually homeschool, and they've been doing it for a while, and they're really good at it, so we're gonna see if we can get our kids to transfer to their homeschool. <laughs> I had a friend that was homeschooled when we were kids, man. He got kicked out of homeschool. That was weird. <laughs> Parents, you ever want to have to talk with your teenagers? Because teenagers can be a little bit of work. You ever want to have to talk with them? You ever want to break up with them? <laughs> you ever want to sit them down and be like, listen, I think we should just be friends. <laughs> it's not working out. It's just not working. We are fooling ourselves. No, 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 it's not like, no, 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 we're not seeing any other kids. We're not ready. But if you want to see some other parents, that's just fine. Yeah. We just, if you could just give us our stuff back, that'd be cool, we call it even. You see, it's tough being a parent. It is tough being a husband and a wife. And I would even say it's tough to be a Christian in 2019. There are too many things pulling for our attention and trying to drag us down. 
if you were taking a new job, you'd prepare yourself, wouldn't you? You'd prepare yourself for the interview. You'd prepare yourself with trainings to do the job. But we don't prepare ourselves for marriage. We don't prepare ourselves for parenting. And you've got to prepare yourself to be a child of God. So this week, be intentional. Whatever your role is or your station in life, all the ones that I mentioned, uh, prepare yourself. Being a good person does not make you a good spouse. Being a good person does not make you a good parent. And being a good person does not make you a good Christian. This world needs you. Don't get me wrong. This world needs Jesus. And the way they're going to see Jesus is through you. Do your homework. Be intentional. And get out there. Talk to the people in your life. Be intentional. Be disciplined. Be the church. Will you pray with me? God, help us to remember that this week. As we leave here, as we go out, let us be intentional. Let us not make the mistakes that Isaac and Rebecca did, where we, we mess up in our marriage, where we mess up in parenting, and we mess up by not listening to you. Speak to us today, Lord. Help us as we leave here. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, amen. amen. Have a great week.